You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey there, this is Doc Coyle. This is the X-Men Podcast. Thanks for listening. Wow, I feel good, guys. Feeling good. I've had a lot of coffee today. Just had two donuts. It's a problem, guys, all right? I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a problem. Your boy likes donuts. I don't know. I don't know what to say. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about this show. This is episode 10. It's been... You know, month or two, whatever, how long I've been doing this, couple months. Tenth episode, uh, this this talk with uh, Mark Heilman from Suicide Silence. I'm not going to lie. I think it's the best show uh, I've done yet. And Mark ends up kind of interviewing me for the second half of the conversation. And that was really interesting. But yeah, I think you guys are really going to enjoy that. I just want to hit a couple points before we start our interview. I wrote an article actually in response to Milo Yiannopoulos. I think I'm saying that right. That was probably really bad enunciation of that name. But anyway, Mr. Milo uh, was on Bill Maher's show Real Time. And, you know, I was affected and I felt I had to write something. I haven't been writing as much as I would like to lately. And that's, uh, you know, that bothers me because I'm a big thinker, guys. Got a lot of thoughts in there and I have a lot of things I I want to talk about. But sometimes you just get really busy. So it's good for me to get back in that arena and, and stretch those legs and, you know, get some get some of my thoughts down. And, and I know everyone kind of feels pummeled by politics as of late. It's, uh, you know, we, we kind of want to hide out. But in, in a way, it's it's so on the mind and it's difficult to avoid that I am going to end up writing about a lot of that stuff. And for me, I have to go with what's you know, kind of on, not just on, on the mind, but I think there, there is an emotional element to, to, to expression. And when something is kind of weighing on you and you, you need to get things out there, that's where I'm kind of going to go. But, you know, I, I enjoy writing about a multitude of things, be it film or music or sports, you know, basketball. So, but you know, and the older I get, I, th- I think the the more you start to realize everything is kind of political, <laughs> which is a bit sad, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, sometimes you have to turn off those political blinders just to enjoy a lot of things, which is which is probably healthy. Uh, 
looking at everything through the lens of of politics is just it's exhausting <laughs> so you know i notice when i'm thinking about writing something politically minded it almost stresses me out because i am fearful that i will you know not necessarily offend people but i don't want to come off as someone who is pulling for one side even though listen i i know which way i lean and i'm conscious of my biases but i don't want that to be reflected i don't i don't want me to look like someone who is who is kind of blinded by um rooting for their team uh so i i hope the writing comes off um as balanced as possible listen we're we're all imperfect there's, there's i don't know if there's a such thing as a truly objective person or a pure 50 50 independent um I think most of us are, are are kind of blend of a lot of thoughts and ideologies and philosophies and whatever we end up with on the end of that is, I guess, who we are, you know, at least at that moment, because it always changes. You know, I know the person I am now is not who I was 10 years ago or 10 years ago before that. And uh, that's kind of cool. You know, you can reflect on kind of the ignorance of your past. And also you get to see things that never happen. You know, you take a, an example like 9-11 something like that, where people in my lifetime, nothing like that happened before. And what you, you, you can't prepare yourself for something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love to keep learning and changing, you know, for the better. Hopefully you can find that article on www.coil.net and it's entitled Milo on Bill Maher and the cult of trolling. Anyway, not going to waste a whole lot of time. Just one thing we do not have a sponsor for this week's episode. So if you're a band, if you're a brand, if you're a company, you want to get your product out to the X-Men listeners, please reach out to me via social media. Um, You fans out there, please leave a comment, leave a rating on iTunes. That helps the show. I need that stuff. But definitely been getting a lot of love. You know, we took a break, but now we're back. Anyway, check out this talk with Mark Heilman of Suicide Silence. So, I'm out here and uh, in North Hollywood. This is North Hollywood. We're at your rehearsal, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to see you guys. You did a, a listening party last night up at, up at Affliction. Yep. And uh, that was a pretty awesome experience yeah it's nice that's cool fucking jose knows how to throw a party he's like pro at party throwing he's kind of pro at a lot of things he is he's just full of god jose i give it up to him every time it's just like how are you so you all the time well the thing about i think you know when he he was that way with god forbid too where when he likes a band he goes above above and beyond to display his support like i still get checks from uh from, from, from serious yeah from serious yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah for, for for god forbid yep and um you know and and he show and he shows the love and when you say checks it's not like you're talking about making like a ton of money but it's like that extra little bit of money that's like oh my cell dude, phone bill my or like, band's been broken up for three years. exactly so you're getting anything yeah dude <laughs> so anything is fucking that's what i always say to him though it's just like dude the checks like i know you're spending it because it's like you know that extra couple hundred bucks every here, every now and again. It's like that's nice, dude. And yo, actually, I got a dope check not too long ago. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say how much it was, but yeah, out of nowhere. But it, it happens. But thank, thank you, the internet. Thank you for your serious satellite dude, radio. Thank you, Jose, man. Hell yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm watching you guys rehearse 
I'm, I got to, Mike invited me down to the rehearsal, and I don't know, I, I had so many thoughts going through my head, like, listen, you guys rehearse. One, you guys are old school. Like, you get, I get there, was no, there was no click, was there anything, no, no, back, no backing tracks, and, you know, you guys, you jam, you know, you'll just start, someone will start playing something, or, um, you know, you see Eddie, he'll just start singing some random stuff, and I don't know, it, it, it just made me think of this idea of maybe something that it falls on deaf ears about the idea of like chemistry mm-hmm. that because you you've seen it and especially like coming out of like the you know the scenester world where you'll literally see an entire band be replaced or yeah totally and you can tell that you guys have been playing together for a million years that's cool that you can tell. and that you like playing with each other yeah that's the genuine thing no matter how much like we are a band of dudes that always you know are at each other's throats for different shit like the the bottom foundation of all this is that it's like we have grown to love each other around the fact that we do we're aware of that chemistry you know yeah. like and we we we've, we all have friends we all go jam with other people but it's like it's so obvious when i'm jamming with alex and jamming with garza and like it's just it's been a it's been a, a developing process since the beginning because yeah when we first started we were the cassette tape in a little recorder with fucking pillows and hoodies over it and we would have to learn our songs and 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 play them from front to fucking back and that's how we wrote and learned our songs is if we left the jam spot without recording it one of none of us would remember oh, no, what we I re- did. So. I remember that I actually I found all these tapes and they were. Some of them were four track recordings and some of them were just actually uh, rehearsal tapes yep. that we that they would have at the hourly rehearsal space. And Sickest. I yo, and I found riffs yeah. and jams. I'm talking oh. go, going back to like 2002, yeah. 2001, where it's so deadly. I Ooh. forgot that we were that deadly. Yeah, dude. I was like, yo, we we were like, I'm like, yo, we're so, kind we, of, we got soft. Oh, kind of bums you out a little bit, huh? You're like, man, where did that go? Where did the fierceness go? Well, that's because we were listening to, like, Defleshed and fucking Oppressor yeah. and trying to write shit like that and just uh, write shit that was as, as crazy as possible. That's that's pretty much where we were at, too, when we first started just wanting to be a band. I think we all we wanted to do was offend people and be heavier than anyone. Well, I think you, you, did, you did pretty good with that. That shit's goddamn heavy. <laughs> Um, so one of the things I noticed about you guys rehearsing, and you were primarily re- playing new songs, right? Yeah, we just played these five new songs that we're going to go play on this tour right now. Everything else you don't need to rehearse? Honestly, nah. You just got it. Yeah. <laughs> but but, 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 but um, the interesting thing about getting to see you guys play the songs in a room, because it's, it's a different thing, right? Listen, like listening Big to time. our record. And even though... A producer like Ross Robinson is all about capturing the band feel, mm-hmm. the live feel. But seeing you guys in that room and seeing how much you guys are feeling it, mm-hmm. and 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 how much every time you play the song, no one's going through the motions. Like you're mm-hmm. there, there actually seems to be like this emotional connection to maybe it's from how you the, the songs came about or or what you know, I like I don't know. I, I like I said I had a lot of things going through my head sure. and. In, in a lot of ways, I started thinking, it made me thinking about Metallica, right? Fuck yeah. In that Metallica was the top of the heap as an extreme band for extreme music of their time. Like, like they were, you know, their Injustice for All might as been, well have been like Slipknot Iowa. Sure. Right? In terms of yeah, totally. what they were doing. 
And then they they kind of made this commercial album, and that's not even to even insinuate that your guys' new album is commercial, but what happened was, there they mattered so much to people that no matter how many people they pissed off or whatever, people kind of always stuck around mm-hmm. and made me think I was like, you know what? I think you guys might be kind of bulletproof. We'll <laughs> see, man. People are people right now are like, fuck this well, shit. Well, no, but 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 here's but here's why because I could. A, those songs don't come off like they're weak or they're they're soft or they're, they're not. But the way you guys are feeling it, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be difficult for people not to uh, at least uh, vibe with that. And and I think there's also the thing where your guys' fan base also ha- is has a lot of the same influences you guys do. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of going to see those those things and maybe attach a little more but i'm not saying there's like there's not going to be backlash we're we're, we're in the backlash um yeah we knew it was coming we knew that if we were going to do something like this that we would get the backlash but that mentality of like we've never been the band that's like yo we're like the most talented sickest badass fucking musicians ever like whatever we've never been like that if anything we're like always self-deprecating and talking about how like we're not like speaking of metallica they always said we're not there's no virtuosos in this band we're all just you know, we just know how to play with, especially in this band. We've always been aware of that and influenced by that as well. So like the band mentality, going into a band room and playing together and jamming and doing whatever and playing whatever that comes up, that's about, that's what being in a band is about to us. So even back to our old stuff, I think the reason why we gathered so much steam is because it's kind of undeniable that we love doing what we're doing, performing or writing whatever so going into this record we wanted to take as much risks as we possibly could but at the same time make sure what we're doing isn't risky for the sake of being a formulaic approach to try and do anything we want to just go full-on let loose and play things that we love and that's why we can go up and you know we could play the whole record right now we're just playing five songs like it's it's crazy that we could pick up our shit and just play this record because we knew if we write some shit that we all can like, we all can really get behind, because that's what's always been hard on all our records. It's hard to get everybody on board for everything. Did you guys, were you, did, was this something you wanted to do on the last record and you just didn't feel comfortable? I mean, I, I imagine it would have been a lot more difficult people for people to accept Eddie had the style first record, changed. First record, yeah. We knew we couldn't do it on the first record with Eddie. And what people did you talk about it though? Was it did it come up or did you stylistically did it, things in did the, ideas come around? The ideas were always kind of there, and um, we should have maybe. I don't really like to like have a regret or anything, but like the we record's sh- sick though. You can't stop me, Dude, really? That yeah, it's, I, I see. And for, it. for me, I liked you guys. Honestly, every record. I when you guys first came out, I actually wasn't that b- a big fan of the band. Totally. It, was, it was a little raw from from my taste. Yeah. So like every record you guys did, I liked the band more was and more. Getting and, a little more. And then every time I saw you guys live, I was like, this is the most deadly fucking live band out there. That's our bread and butter is just winning over people with a live show. I remember you guys shit on us at fucking oh, at download, download fest. Yeah. Yo, fun. I'm gonna tell the motherfuckers listen to this. So God forbid, <laughs> play download and like we played download 2006 and we like killed it. We like yeah, yeah we're, we're great. We're the man, right? And then 2009 comes around, and I'm like, I'm looking out, and we were sandwiched oh. between Suicide Silence and Seven Dust. Oh, uh, I thought it was like a day to remember. Huh? No, it oh. was uh, it was you guys, us, and uh, and Seven Dust. And I remember oh. you guys played, and it was so heavy, and I was just like, 
and you guys sounded so good. And we walked off stage and we're like, fuck, we suck. Dude, it was so <laughs> sick. And I just remember looking out in the crowd and like, man, there's a lot of Suicide Silence shirts out there. We were hot at that time, man. We were doing really good. Dude, it was, was, no, no, but I think moments like that for a band like us were like, oh, there's a changing of the tide, you know, and there's... Well, I mean, you know, as I've told you this before, how big of fans we were. I, I saw Suicide Silence at one of the first times I ever saw was uh, them opening for God Forbid before I was in the band. So when we were playing over you guys at Download, we were nervous as fuck. No, you like, didn't play over us. Oh, we played before? Yeah. See, you, oh, well. You played before, but that's what made it so difficult to... Okay, yeah. To... Well, then maybe that's why I was nervous, was because, like, we're going to play, and then God forbid going to come up and just show everybody, like, what the fuck is up. No, that's not what happened. You guys put down the devastation, and people were like, no, God forbid, they're all, they're all right. They're and right. and then know, Seven Dust came on the shit on all, all of us. All of us, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, the prime festival band. <laughs> that was a good time. Dude, it was, it was, it was fucking sick. Um... So, kind of going back to the, I think the main theme, you know, in terms of the public is criticism, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of, that's something you guys basically going to, in terms of doing interviews, dealing with the press, social media, that's, is basically like your battle, right? So, are you the type of guy or is the guys in the band, you know, and you guys read the comments you read the reviews obviously this jared dines thing kind of kind of blew up is that like we've been talking to jared about that shit too like we got contact well eddie and dan kenny and alex are definitely the type to all go in and read everything and find everything do you think that's healthy no i don't think it's healthy i i but i also don't think that shutting it all out is is healthy either which is I'm kind of in the middle of it. I They'll send, we have obviously our group chat. We're always talking to each other yeah. in a group chat. So Dan and Eddie and Alex will send like the prime, like most hateful, ignorant ass comments. Yeah. So, so we all just kind of laugh at it. That's what I'm saying. I think good disses like that are funny. Yeah. I, I totally get behind. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. like there was, when I put out my band Vegas Nerve, mm-hmm. put out a song, someone said, it sounds like saliva with widdly widdly guitars. Yes. And I was like, that is an amazing, like just yeah, widdly widdly. But just busting out the saliva reference. Oh yes, exactly. You know, I'm like, yo, that's that's solid. That guy, you know, that's just that's witty ban- that's witty banter. This is like uh, Papa Roach and Buck Cherry <laughs> had a fucking baby. <laughs> but so so does it? I mean. Obviously, you knew, you guys knew when you made the record, you're like, all right, we're putting ourselves out there. Now you're dealing with it at the at the face. And like, how much is that affecting everybody? I think that it's hard to say that it isn't affecting us because we tried to put ourselves in a place where we would not expect anything. And anything that happens is the way it's going to happen. We've always said, no matter what, we put out a record and people are going to react in every single way possible. They're going to love it. They're going to hate it. They're not going to care about it. They're not going to know about it. Every way possible, they're going to do that. There are, that's what's happening. So this one, we just knew there'd probably be more hate right off the bat and people reacting insanely. Um, but the, the overall thing is we've always tried to satisfy and like f- as far as a creative path trying to satisfy doesn't exactly open you up to anything that adventurous if you're trying to satisfy yeah. all the time so it's like trying to write shit that people are are automatically going to love it's like it's not even fun for a person to go on the internet and go i love this this is amazing like it's much more fun for someone to go fuck this 
I'm gonna say this shit fucking sucks because it's no one gives a shit to go on there and be like talking about how sick it is and write an endless or a funny comment about how badass it is. Like, but what do you feel about, for example, like let's you have? I'm sure you have because I think I was actually here's nothing I was thinking about while you guys were rehearsing. Dude. You're well, such a thinker, dude. I do. I know. There's a lot going on. In yeah. There. That every fan, like every sale, right? Let's say you sell fifty thousand records, right? Let's say you sell fifty thousand records. And some band on the radio sells 50,000 records. Mm-hmm. I feel like your 50,000 matter more because those people, it's like a hard sell. Like they're mm. into the band more. They're going to mm-hmm. they're gonna be around. Like your guys are the type of band that has super hardcore fans. Where, And then because you have such hardcore fans, the people who are so dedicated, maybe they might have that Metallica thing where they feel a betrayal. And that yeah. they're quote-unquote hate or they're dissing of it it actually it's like an emotional thing for them you know you ever yeah. think about that at all all the time yeah i mean i, I have look, you got any like messages like people kind of giving you heartfelt like things in terms of being upset oh yeah yeah well not in terms of being upset like are they heartfelt it's more so like a, a, a weird slant opinion of like the genre that we should have like i, I really like the change but I think you should have gone to like a more of a melodic death metal change. So they're almost like giving you a critique, like yeah. a, like a, a, you know, giving you advice. Yeah, almost. totally. Which I, isn't bad. Oh, that's almost more constructive. We have the like. I look at it. This is so hippie of me, but it's like we have so many fans that love us so much. The the reason why they can react with such like extreme, you know, resistance and hate and being just straight mean is because they fucking love our shit they fucking really hold it close to them that's what i'm saying that's why i feel like you guys i'm telling you i think it's going to be an interesting moment for the band because to me the main comparison uh, as far as a career arc is the machine hit mm-hmm. one because it's almost the i mean obviously they did it a little bit earlier in their career mm-hmm. but same producer the yeah. associations with the the genre change is, is simple mm-hmm. is more similar even though they you know kind of went rap rap rock however, however you want to say it mm-hmm. but also face the backlash but the, the the kind of i think the hugest difference though machine head did it when that style was really popular mm-hmm. and so the burning red i think might even be their biggest selling record yeah go- probably globally yeah. um and they really the real backlash kind of came on the second rec- uh the supercharger record uh but you guys it's not like new metal isn't really not saying it's not a thing but it's not a it's not like that's a new uh, style or something that's like of the moment. It's not like you guys mm-hmm. like, oh, let's blend in with this trend, yeah. you know. So, you know, I think I think the, the context is is a, is a little different in that, that regard. I I can feel that. I also think that for us, like when it comes to genres and like when we when we jam, like pretty much what we know how to do is like shit that is like what we did on this record, and like just dumb ass sludge shit that people call deathcore mm-hmm. you know it's like deathcore didn't exist before suicide silence like that is just us doing blast beats extreme breakdowns avoiding two-step and uh and trying to yeah right avoiding uh, two-step well i i love the the two steps that's a total hardcore scene term yeah. that if you don't <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> see we're, we're we're teaching motherfuckers what, what, what's up but that was that was all it was avoid two-step slams and fucking if there's a part that we can all of a sudden stop pop and go into a, a different like just changing the script. changing it up yeah like that was that's what i feel like now is deathcore 
But at the same time, when we were doing that deathcore, we were all we were doing is playing fucking like Deftones and Corn and shit like that. And what do you mean playing it? Like playing jam, it, like jamming. Jam, yeah, jamming those, jamming those songs. And uh, uh, we we've we have like a bunch of old stuff, old jams where we would jokingly write new metal songs and jokingly yeah. write like songs that were like kind of pop punk or something like that and those always sucked or the hardcore songs alec can write a hardcore song like that yeah but i saw him playing his fucking do that, do that, do that, yeah do that. he was killing that shit. yeah yeah he loves that shit uh no i don't know i so i guess well, what i'm getting at is when we tr- when we're writing uh we really don't think in terms of writing in in a new metal way or in a deathcore way it's just that's what is what we play well, like i would here's here's what i'll say because i I think it's important actually like having like I have friends in in music that I might not even be f- fan of their bands. Like mm-hmm. I'm just like I just like them as people and we mm-hmm. happen to be musicians and I think in in a lot of ways those friendships might be even more important because you know it's not someone who's bullshitting you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or someone who's like riding your dick or just sure. or just out kind of like, you know, like you know what I'm saying just like like if you had a, a best friend who was like a super fan, it'd almost be kind of weird. You'd be like, this, you know, like... Those are the hardest friends to have. When they're fans of your band, it's so hard to be friends with them. Yeah, but, so, I like, I will, I will say, I don't even know if I'm gonna like your record. Because yeah, I've only yeah. heard the two songs, and I heard the, the stuff, you know, like, live, like, the shit, I'm feeling it, I, I love the way you guys are feeling it, but I just want to tear out the gate, because I don't want to, like, sit there like, hey, man, so, you just made the greatest record of all time. Of course. Let me lick your balls. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... You know, I'm I'm basically, and that's what people ask me, like, yo, what do you think of the new Suicide Silence? I was like, let me wait for the record to come out, yeah. and I'll listen to the album. To me, one or two songs does not indicate what it is, because it's a statement, collect, it's a collective statement, but the one thing I, I think that you guys, and this is why, why I said I think, that why this shit's gonna work really well. <laughs> whether, like I said, whether, who, as far as what happens, the reason What why, the hell does work really well even work, mean? Work really well, well <laughs> is that no matter what kind of hit you guys take, eventually the band will will do all right on the other side of that mm. but is that everyone's talking about it yeah yeah and like i said if no one the worst thing is you know, like, like let's say you guys put out some sellout record or whatever yeah and just no one cared that and would no, suck. no one like that's what i'm saying like that would suck it actually is this this topic it's an is, insane topic and the amount <laughs> there's so many more people talking about it than ever before and it's insane so many people are coming at us with like i don't like your old shit but this new stuff is great it's like yeah all right that's what i'm saying but but what it it tells me is wow a lot of people care about this band yeah even if them disliking the band is if someone like overtly dislikes your band then in a way they kind of care about it right Like, like for example there's a lot of people who hate who don't like a band like nickelback but they don't actively go out of their way to like shit on Nickelback it's kind of just it is it's just there you know totally but but there's this kind of activity around it that I just find fascinating haters make you famous dude so many people hate corn so many people hate five finger death dude, punch I was just about to say that you know, like, but they but here's about five finger it's like active like they're active hate yeah yeah like they yeah. there's a, a, like, they use it well they're in they're they're always being talked about always you know always and and like I said, then that only happens if people actually give a shit about the band. So that that was one one point I wanted to make. Um, yeah, it all comes from love, dude. Like I was saying, <laughs> it all comes from how much they fucking appreciate it. But, and and that starts with us, dude. That starts with us loving what we're doing. That's 
100% what I think has happened. Like, we love our shit so much, we in turn have had, got a lot of people that really, really fucking love us. So, I, I'd say, like, and listen, having not heard, actually, I did hear the whole record uh, yeah, yesterday, the but obviously it's like, we were all partying yeah, there's a bunch of people, shit, so, yeah. you know, and, and it's really diverse, that's the one thing I, I, I noticed. Um, but if I had to have, like, one criticism, and this is what I would say, and this is kind of uh, using Machine Head as, like, my criticism of them. Sure. That it wasn't necessarily the sonic change uh, or songwriting change, and it wasn't necessarily even working with, with Ross. I think a lot of it is the mix, right? So let's say, and I'm not even saying you guys sh- who should mix the record, but I, I imagine if Machine Head would have gotten Colin Richardson, who had mm-hmm. done the other records, to mix mm-hmm. the Burning Red, it would generally, even though the songs were different and the vibe was different, it would generally sound like a Machine Head record, so they would kind of accept it. So I was wondering... Colin Richardson doing a Ross record, it's like two completely different kinds of people. It would turn that that raw sound into this... It would make it more... But no one's ever done it. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, that was Iowa. Iowa was... uh, Didn't Colin Richardson mix Iowa? I don't know. I think so. I think that's... I could be wrong, but I'm, I, I that can't record think. sounds pretty fucking yeah, savage. Yeah, yeah, Iowa is probably no, but one of the no, he mixed. Um, All Hope Is Gone. I know that. But Rick Rubin or who produced? No, Rick Rubin produced Rick Volume Rubin three. three. Yeah. There's never been a Ross Colin Richardson combo. I don't know. I don't know either. But anyway, but that's not even the point. I'm not even saying. Sure, sure. Colin Richardson. To so be, your to criti- be the guy. your criticism I guess is kind of like the mix might turn people off what because I'm, what, it's so abrasively raw. It's so, no, it's abrasively different. Yeah. It's a completely different approach. Like, for example, like today I was listening to the songs on Spotify Mm -hmm. and it has obviously all the popular, most popular songs. So it'll go from Doris to another song from like the previous record. Mm -hmm. And that difference sonically is so noticeable that, so it's not even really a criticism. It's just more like if you guys wanted to have the stylistic change, but kind of you know, it's like have the pill with like a, you know, put the pill in like a cookie mm-hmm. so that it's a little more easy for people to take. That was the, gotcha. that was just my, my, what I was thinking about Machine Head. I'm like, this record, it's a Machine Head record. It's just the, once the style changes and the production changes, it's a lot for people to take. Yeah. So it's not even really a criticism. It's just more like, you know, I, cause I noticed this with a lot of bands. Like you look at a band like uh, In Flames, for example. Mm-hmm. They changed very slowly. Yeah, it took like five records. Yep. So yep. by the time, so obviously there's a lot of people hating on the on the way they changed, mm-hmm. but they did in a way where it wasn't all at once. You know, Reroute to Remain was pretty different from like, you know, as far as uh, well, I don't remember what was before Reroute to Remain. Uh, I remember, yeah, but like Reroute, I remember that came out. I was like. Sounds like Marilyn Manson or something. Yeah, but the thing is, it was a diverse record. They yeah. didn't, they didn't yeah, come true. out the gate. Yeah. You know, to me, they had like Slipknot yeah. influences. They was it was all. But I'm saying, but and generally, here, and here's and here's kind of where we we I'm not we're not that calculated of a band. Yeah. But this record kind of seems like it was more calculated. The more I think back, because we knew we wanted Ross and Joe Barisi yeah. to to be the dudes that did this one. Oh, I, I got it. a quote for Joe to mix mix my band. Yeah, a quote as in he told you how much money it would cost. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It was. It was it was it was it was a good amount of zeros. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I know that's <laughs> he, he good though. He it's good. partially the reason why there's nine re- songs on the record. No, yeah, not, not, <laughs> no, that's true. Um, no, but we we knew that we wanted them to be the people to do it, 
And we also knew that releasing singles was going to be hard because the way that it was going to be so sonically different, it had to be listened to as a piece. It had to be the record that you listen to it and know that it's a completely different record than anything we've ever done. So it stands alone from everything else we've ever done. We, we knew we wanted it to be the record that everybody doesn't matter if they end up loving this record or hating this record. We just wanted to throw a wrench in our catalog. It, to me, it, it doesn't sound, uh, you know, calculated. Like to me, it sounds like you guys were like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. That's pretty much where it is. But but here's but here's what I was thinking about. Like, and this is this is Doc Cool the businessman. Yeah, yeah. Right. Not that I'm much of a businessman, but I'm but I'm very I'm the one of those guys who studies career arcs and like mm-hmm. you know, when you're trying to have your band make it, you look and see, oh, why did that work for them? Why did that not mm-hmm. work for them? Mm-hmm. And I remember going to see Anthrax, and this is when John Bush was in the band, and they tried to do this tour where jo- uh Joey Belladonna came back and they did like dual sets where like they did the old songs and the new songs. Mm-hmm. And last second, Joey Belladonna split, and they were supposed to play Irving Plaza in New York, and they ended up at the Bowery Ballroom in front of like 150 people. Oh, damn. And and that band struggled near the end, uh, end of their run with yeah, John Bush. That era, yeah. And you know, I'm, and I'm not saying their retreat to getting a new singer or going back to Joey was was financial. But I, but I guess the question would be, have you ever thought about the ramifications of, like, actually, like, that you know, if things did go down south and all of a sudden kids weren't showing up and all of a sudden, have you guys ever thought about that, like, or, or ever worried about anything like that, about, like, actually affecting the size of the band or all of a sudden, now we're not in a bus, we're in a, we're in a van or all of a sudden... We're not, you know, the, maybe the record sales aren't going to be there. Here, here's it's a hard thing for people to understand that, like, from being within the band, like none of us look at our band like we're massive, and we're not, we're not able to well, even. You guys are deathcore platinum, aren't? Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking the kings of deathcore, like the biggest deathcore, the biggest band of the tiniest little genre. But that, but not for nothing, that means something. That that it does. is a big because di- it it everything's run by niche now, and you guys are the. T- king of your certain hill but it's so hard when everybody wants to be on the king of our certain hill we can't headline and have any band not want to be like well we want to co-headline yeah it's like we've been stuck with that shit for years so for us our name our bread and butter is getting on festivals yeah getting on the biggest shows that we can because we crush no matter what audience we play in front of motherfucker i know you'll slip not or not slip that uh not fest yeah dude oh insane one of the best shows ever Yo, you listen there were some real like I think you guys went on after Immure. Yeah. Who crushed. Like, they killed it. And then you guys came on, and I was like, yo, this shit's over. That shit, it was like a... <laughs> and not, not you. you know, like, just for everyone, I thought your guys' set was the most... Just, not even, the, like, the crowd was crazy, but the way you guys came out was like... You were it's making our, a it's statement. It's our home. That's where we're yeah. from. That's where I went and saw every fucking Ozfest. So it's like, when I'm there, I'm like very much living as a child on stage like just fucking murder this like you're yeah. here this is amazing but fuck no dude i don't i don't think we think if, if there people stop coming to our shows that fire that is our live show and us playing songs with conviction and caring about what we're doing not being the band on tour that fucking hates being on tour yeah like getting on stage and killing it doesn't matter if a bunch of people say they hate the first two singles and they fucking are gonna bail on suicide sounds forever 
I still feel very confident that they're going to listen to this record and they're going to see that there is something going on and they're going to want to check it out eventually because we will be on a show then they're going to come see it yeah and uh no matter which way you cut it i i do see some people staying home or being hesitant to come out to to a show until they hear the whole record but uh it's just the it's it's a part of that risk and we'd rather we'd rather take that hit and and feel like we did something that was pure for music and not just not just adhering to a stupid scene that yeah. like it's and all these kids and fans like these are our if if there are our fans and they're gonna say fuck you for doing this and feeling like we turned our back on them for like changing or whatever like they weren't really fans to begin with you know they were they're they're listening to it for themselves only because there's some feeling they're getting that it's like they own this feeling they're getting from our music and it's it's it distances themselves from like us as a group that makes music not just plays breakdowns well i think listen you have to give people the freedom to kind of just be people like i'm the same way like like, I, can, I, get, man. like that's, I give that's what that's a big purpose on this record too i want everybody to hear this record to feel whatever they feel about it and not all the music that influenced me to play music was music that i loved a lot of music i was like fuck this shit i don't that's that's lame i want to do something more like this so it's all a it's all a purpose it, it, it all is with intention of inspiring i am um, last night at the at the listening party they did the q a and i forget who said it but someone was saying i think it might have been um Who's, I forget who said it, but saying something that you guys, this album was kind of response to what was going on now mm -hmm. musically. Mm -hmm. What it, I mean, are you willing to kind of speak to that? Like what 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 you what you kind of see out there that you don't like, and you don't have to call out bands, well, but but just musically, like like what you guys no were going rules, against. putting rules on your on your your process, like like how I said, no two steps. You know, like we we did it to ourselves. And then looking around and seeing so many people where it's like you could and we formula you're talking about formula not necessarily just formula but adhering to the fear that if you do something that isn't what you have done in the past changing a little too much like it's there's a song on our new record it's called conformity and like we basically are saying in the song like conformity is the secret the reason why you're going to freak out when you hear this record is because there's so much formula and so many things that people are sticking to that this record was easy for us to shock you with because it's so fucking sterile yeah. all around. And it doesn't matter if I'm talking about the recording techniques, the, the, the formulas to get on the radio. There's so much like just method and no madness. Yeah. So like I was talking to, you know, I forgot who I was even talking to about this. Some people just maybe they need to start not writing music for people for people. Stop writing music to to make people like come and be a part of something. Like just make music because that's what is going to make you feel good. And that was also a part of our re our record process. Well, We're going to throw this shit in the ocean. No one's ever going to hear this record. We we'll just pretend that no one's ever going to hear it because. Well, I think your your guys' connection to it. And speaking of process, like I said before, you guys are old school. You get in the room, you vibe off each other. So, like I'm involved in situations musically where now I'm, God forbid, used to do that. We used to write in the room, yeah, and that create a certain vibe. Now I'm, I have a band where half the band lives across the country, yep. or I'm writing, I'm doing co-writes for other people, 
and I have to sit there by myself and come up with something and that's not you're not going to get the same energy not at all and that's where different kinds of talent come into play like I'm not the kind of guy uh, that is that can wholeheartedly come up with something that I love without having my band go oh that's dope I like that let's yeah, play you need that. that immediate feedback I do and, yeah. and it helps but but when that when that becomes an immediate or a, a, you expect that from a bunch of fans or people that are going to listen to your music then I feel like that just interferes with the actual openness of you you know you're not being open for yourself you're being open to try and satisfy for people that aren't the people you're playing with yeah. you know and I don't know that's we've all we have always 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 tried to satisfy the the, the fan of heavy and fierce and brutal and uh, and that has made us all just kind of see this the 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 flatness of yeah. of our of our scene, you know. That's well, I I know with with God forbid one of the issues like we changed a lot over, yeah. over the course yeah. of our of our career, and like, like I said, we did a a bit slower. Yep. But I know we we had a situation on our first couple records where we were told. Oh, you're, these opportunities are not available to you because you're too heavy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, we, our manager at the time also managed Van Thursday. Mm-hmm. He managed uh, Shadows Fall. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were, out, Thursday was even more accessible, but yeah. but we were basically told, oh, this, this isn't available for you. This isn't, and I'm not going to lie, that affected how we, we didn't want to feel marginalized. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to say, oh, you know, because like I said, our favorite bands were Metallica and Machine Head and Pantera mm-hmm. and In Flames and these bands who were more accessible and had more groove. And then we started playing bigger shows, doing festivals, doing, you know, and also we Did Constitution of Treason, or what was the one that, like, you saw results from or negative results from? Because Gone Forever was like fucking badass yeah but well it, it all depends how you look at it there's kind yeah. of three uh different eras of the band yeah there's our first record um reject the sickness and determination mm-hmm. and that was when we were super hectic all over the place very thrashy very you know, undo as fuck too yeah yeah undo you guys were underground oh like, undo yeah you guys were like that yo, was like but, the days yo but determination we toured like maniacs and sold at the time like twenty thousand records yeah which was over everyone's expectations but in a weird way we we did that and then all of a sudden we would do like we did like a headline run and it was us bleeding through and avenge sevenfold mm-hmm. brand new and sh- every show shot yeah. 50 people yeah, yeah. 100 100 people and we were like and for us that was like oh i guess no one gives a shit like we sold all these records but somehow we can't translate that into as big a fan base but unbeknownst to us though we actually did make an impact. It just didn't show itself on that tour. Mm-hmm. We ended up doing another. After we had already recorded Gone Forever, we did this tour with uh, with a really great lineup. It was Walls of Jericho, Blood Has Been Shed, and I think Full Blown Chaos. And then that, that tour was like, you know, all of a sudden now we're drawing three, four, five hundred people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a great package. It, yep. just, it wasn't just us, but we held it down as a headliner. Like, yep. And all those, it was like, oh, that record determination did make an impact, but it took some time to kind of set and it also had to do with playing with the right bands playing yep. the right venues anyway yeah. so but by that time we had already kind of changed our sound and, and become a bit more 
groove oriented. There was more melody. You know, we kind of, I'd say, blended into the new wave of Mer American heavy metal backdrop. I, I, I'd say, but no, but that was what Gone Forever came out, and MTV Two, Headbangers Ball, yep. Ozfest, and all of a sudden we we saw a big. You know, the band became like a legit band. Mm -hmm. So then there was that era between that and Constitution of Treason, when all of a sudden we're like, oh, we're we're on the road. We gonna make it. And then we put out uh, Earth's Blood. How was that process though on Constitution of Treason? Because I know for me as a fan, when that came Writing out, it? it was like this is different. Like this is this is well, that a was lot all right. So Constitution is really interesting because it's the only record we wrote and recorded really quickly. Okay. We essentially put out um, Gone Forever in the spring of 2004. And then we were writing Constitution by January 2005. Was that because you had, you knew that there was like success on Gone Forever? You wanted to write it more, like quick. Basically, we had a big shakeup where we lost our manager mm -hmm. and we almost lost our agent, and we basically had our whole record cycle screwed up because of that. Where we didn't have a, a we didn't have a follow up tour to capitalize off of all the stuff we did. So we're like, you know what? Let's uh, right now record on these months and then ha and then we had the record out that fall gotcha. so it ended up working out well but ultimately things didn't end up working out but in a way it was we wrote the record when our confidence was at all-time high totally that, that, that and, comes off too and we had just been touring with machine head we've been touring yep. with slipknot and we were playing these bigger big venues and we were like we want to write songs that fit that and then we also wanted to like you know i, I think in some ways there's aspects of that record where we blended in with other things that were going on but then there was other things in that record where we we really did things that i don't think anyone else was doing you know that i don't know if not not saying we didn't get credit for but it but it i don't know like i feel like when we really stretched our legs out it went over so, so, some people's heads what do you mean like what like what particular things um i don't know i just think our thing and this is one one of the things where we have in common with you guys is we were we're a really dynamic band you know we know how to bring it down and then explode and we we you know we really got into you know messing around with vocal harmonies mm -hmm. and making the stuff more i don't know there's something about that was, yeah constitution had a lot of harmony like we were a feel band yep you know like when we dropped something it was like you know just that I'm, people can't see if i'm scrunching my face yeah, and yeah that exactly. nasty face i feel like like you guys had when you guys drop a groove it's a fucking groove yeah, like it's that's, fucking that's what it's all and about. that's that was our thing about being dynamic and tasteful and then really stepping out so i don't know it's i I don't know, I have a very difficult time with that whole, we should have been, I think that's all bullshit. Shit happened the way it happened. Right. It connected the way it was supposed to, and if it didn't, then you probably weren't good enough. How much, yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm How, keeping it real. Yeah, right, should have wrote a better record. That's what we always yeah, say. Yeah, it's like, so, and I can look at what didn't work out and what, what did, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You can't, yeah. you can't do, it, do it over again. All you have is the work, and I'll say this, in the whole Spotify, YouTube era, guess what, if the shit, was the greatest right now i would go on spotify there'd be nine million views but yeah. guess what there is a hundred thousand or whatever and, right. that, and you go look at a band like throwdown mm -hmm. bury your dead you look at them since they broke up they have a shitload of listens really? so yeah more yeah. than god forbid oh yeah bands so greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you the information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. 
As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. And I don't know why that is. It's just it is. It's it's the truth. You can't you can't okay. lie. You cannot. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the, the race <laughs> card here. Oh shit! Because we're we've always been a band with with. Mexicans in our band, we always would have the joke about like you guys all, packed up, all packed up, ready to go back. What do you mean? Oh wait. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we're ready. Yeah, we're all. You guys, yeah, dude, we're we're actually executive we're, we're order, helping. Man. We're helping to fund the wall. We're oh, okay, guys. Okay, yeah, we're saving. We're saving our pistols. Oh, okay. right, um, no, just being uh, where we were, as we would always have our jokes about Mexi- needing to have a Mexican in our band because we were playing like slut, like heavy fucking death metal shit. Yeah. And all the sickest death metal bands have at least one Mexican in the band. Okay. That was our joke. But we would always talk about you guys and be like, why isn't God forbid bigger? Like, what? I, I wonder why. And we always would bring it up. Like, do you think that the metal community like doesn't res- respond to God forbid as well? Because when they go see him, it's a bunch of black dudes. Like, did you guys ever really well, think about I, that? I had, a feel the, that? I had a theory about that. And it came from, this was like 2001, we did this tour called the Metalanium Tour. And mm-hmm. it was uh, supposed to be all these bands, and then 9-11 happened. And it was like Napalm Death and Witchery and all the, Dimmu Borgir and all the international bands had to drop off the tour. So it ended up being Six Feet Under, Candiria, Lamb of God, Us, and Darkest Hour. Fucking sick tour. Yeah, way sick. Um, wonder and, how that would do nowadays. I mean, be fucking dope. It'd be still be still be good. Wasted. Lamb, Lamb be pulling pulling yeah, heads way bigger now. But anyway, but that was when Lamb was probably only barely slightly bigger than God forbid, like yep. a, a hint. But what I saw was the way, and this is when you know when you talk about branding, and and that's what I think um, like merchandise sales is all about. Mm-hmm. Merchandise sales is about 
seeing a band or liking a band and saying, hey, I want to represent that. Yeah. I want to go out and wear that as like an emblem. And it's kind of, it becomes part of your personality. Yeah. It becomes part of your identity yeah. when you put on a t-shirt. And what Lamb of God did was we would be in like Oklahoma or we'd be in Kansas. And those guys, for the most part, men, mm-hmm. they'll go to that show they would look at Lamb of God, hear those songs, and they'd be like, those people in that band represent me. Sure. And I feel like they couldn't, even if they saw God Forbid and liked the I music. I see where you're going with it. I, I think from an identity Hard standpoint. Hard to identify with it because it's not. Well, them. it's just, it's it's not an intellectual process. Yeah. It's a gut feeling. Totally. And there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't yeah. make them bad people. It does not make them racist. But it just makes them a little, it's like that 30% more of like, that's the thing and that's and that also is a testament to a lamb of god just being a special band Mm -hmm. and there's reason why they are where they are but also why i would notice how we would kill it and maybe the merch sales wouldn't be there or we would you know we actually record sales wise we did well where we struggled was selling tickets as a headliner Mm -hmm. and merch sales in comparison to bands of equal size right and listen that it could be a lot of things and, and i thing is You'll never know. Of there's course there's no way to do a scientific study yeah. to why is this? And like I said, and I, I said this for just about 20 minutes ago, we might have just been not good enough. And that that not being good enough, it, like I said, it might be 5% not as good of. It might yeah. be 2%. Yeah, yeah. But, How do you, fucking you know, like out? I, to me, someone can't say, yo, this is the God forbid song that changed, that should have changed the world. I don't know that song. Maybe to someone else it is, but yeah. I don't know, you know. I don't know, because I'm in it. I can't be objective about it, and you know I'll go back and sometimes I'll listen to shit. I'm like, man, this shit's pretty dope. Or sometimes I'll go back. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> B minus. Hey man, hey, <laughs> gone forever, dude. Such a sick record. Well, I think that's the one that we hear about the most, like where people reach out and that it, you know, hit a certain stride for sure. But then determination At the time, too. Time though, like we were growing up around Atreyu and Avenged Sevenfold and Bleeding Through and all the bands and Lamb of God, and I don't know. I guess just for me and a lot of for Suicide Silence, like I don't think any of us really saw Avenged Sevenfold becoming as big as they are or Lamb no, of God taking off the way they no did. No one. I, th- I think things like that are just you know they they happen. I don't know. It's crazy. just crazy that you guys were in that fucking. In all of that and this, I don't know. You guys, you guys just what? I don't know. I don't. I don't understand what happened. <laughs> I, do, I really don't understand what happened. I feel like we've had this conversation over and over again. I'm well, you know like, what? I've up? had this conversation with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Where a lot of people are like, "Yo, man, what? What? What is it? Why? Like, but does think, that bum you out? It doesn't bum me out, but it's it's just funny. It's yeah. so peculiar that some like, if I had that thought then it would bum me out. Sure. Like, if I sat around and be like, why well, didn't it work out? Because here's the thing. I know all the internal things that happen. I know the personality issues. I know when such and such person made this mistake. I know when uh, we had an issue with our, you know, the industry side, maybe sure. a manager, maybe yeah. booking agent, things where you missed one opportunity and you said, hey, this could have zigged when it could have zagged. And it deflates you. And, and you, just... you know, you look at things like, like my brother leaving the band, mm-hmm. you know, and everything that led up to that, you know, and it, it just, that's the way it played out. Listen, yeah. and you can do the same thing for an actor. Why did this one actor, how come he didn't end up becoming Brad Pitt? How come this sports, you know, guy, how come he should have made the all-star t- team ten times and only made it four, yeah. you know? And 
if you, I think as the person, that person, if you sit around and think, why didn't that happen? You're going to be a miserable fucking person. You guys are so going to get back together one day. Who knows, man? It's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough road right now, man. We got a, we are, we are all spread out. Uh, Everyone's doing people raising families and yeah. And and your brother's like checked out. He's not going to do it. huh? (laughs) The, the infamous Dallas question. Everyone wants to know. Yeah, dude. He's labels are Dallas is. Haven't spoke to Dallas in a while. So uh, <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry. It's 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 no it's no fun. But um, <laughs> it's, and it's unfortunate because me, I'm I didn't quit doing God forbid because I didn't want to do God forbid. Yeah. I quit God forbid because we were not able to actually actively do things in the way I I wish that we needed to be doing them. I I wanted I quit because I wanted to do the band, not because I didn't want to do it. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's fucking deep, son. Fucking deep, bro. Damn. But um and listen and no and I don't say that as a disrespect to anyone else in the in in, in the band um if they were here I would I would tell them this the same the same exact thing and I love all the dudes and but at the same time I started a new band and it wasn't it didn't sound like God forbid it wasn't heavy I wasn't I left that at the same time as well not wanting to just do that mm-hmm. you know because I because I I feel like there was this thing where you know like so the album i felt where we really stretched out was album called earth's blood Blood, yeah you know and that was a that that album was kind of a a reflection of feeling like like you said where the the metalcore fucking box ran out of fucking corners yeah you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. oh and you're like you guys went more progressive yeah well it's it's that but also saying all right this is just we can do this (laughs) thing all right breakdown goes here Yep. Cool harmony guitar solo goes here and it's just you're like you're just going through the motions. Yep. And it's what's interesting about it. And you're like then bands like you guys come up, bands like Periphery come out. You see heavy bands actually doing interesting things, like in a way more or even like I remember with that that uh uh was it uh Whitechapel, like uh f- from Exile mm-hmm. and like we did Mayhem with them and they were so crushing and oh we're God. like and sometimes you're like, Oh, they're doing heavy better yep and we're like so why do something where you feel like you're doing something not as it's not as real it's not as fucking angry like like they're kind of they need to be doing that yeah, yeah. and then the su- the same stuff you were doing like you'll play an old song live and it doesn't people don't react the same way they're not like it's like a drug that yeah, it doesn't yeah. you it it doesn't get you as high as it used mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. you know the potency you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah. like you know, you you just seen I've like never done drugs before. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, but you you know, I bet you like Diamond Head back in '81, yeah. they'd play and they'd be like, you know, it was the heaviest thing of all time. And People then Metallica were, comes out and fucking. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's that thing of, are you the band where the drug never stops working, like Slayer or Anthrax, or are you or are you the band where people are like, yeah, man, it's just kind of shot. And I'm not saying that we couldn't have have done it, and that there isn't a desire for people to see the band, but. If I'm if I was ever gonna do it again, I don't want to like. There's this video floating around from 2004 in Japan. We played with uh, In Flames, and dude, we're so we're, we're so on fire. Yeah, yeah. Like the way you guys are net now, like the way you guys approach it, because I felt like dudes in my, my band, they're like we weren't bringing it like we used to, and it's like to me, it's like what, if it's not gonna be, if it's some watered down version, if it's just dudes going through the playing because they're trying to get that check playing because they got nothing else what the, what's yeah, the fucking point that sucks completely what okay so earth's blood though 
Do you think you went too far, or no. did you not go far enough? I loved it. I would have. I would have well, preferred. The, but the response, though, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, or the band was starting mixed to, bag, man. Mixed yeah. bag. It was. I think critically, it was probably our most uh, well liked album. Like critics loved it, yep. and I felt that we could have done a lot. But then Dallas quit, and it hurt the. Um, you know, and I kind of went through a personal meltdown, and of course, and we had, we did all these big tours. But the thing is, like I said, on the ground, people I could see those because we did that uh, mayhem, and it was the whole side stage. It was us and Trivium and all that means, and then Behemoth. all the other bands were all super heavy, yeah. and we were just like, you guys were sharing a bus with Behemoth, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And I you remember just, I was there hanging yeah. out, I was like, oh, and you just saw it, and it was like people just weren't feeling it. Like we were like we play, we have some good shows, but. We weren't selling any merch. You know, it was yeah. like, you know, you know, Black Dollar was like, oh, we did 5,000 of merch. We, did, we sold like eight three t-shirts. Yeah, damn. And you, listen, and you can't argue with that shit. Like, you can't sit there and like, oh, you know, it's going great. It's going, you know. Were you, was that when Matt, <laughs> Matt was in the band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. were you guys phoning it in? Was it, there was, was the flame gone? Were you guys I just, like I having said, fun? I think, well, I wasn't having fun. That was, okay. that was where, a fun. Then there it is. No, I was miserable, but that tour was like. A big financial disaster. Yeah, it was. It kind of broke me a little bit. Yeah, it broke me a little bit because basically our our manager quit, and then we ended up being way over budget, Mm -hmm. and so we had to like cut all these corners. So like no one made money. I was like setting up merch at like eleven in the morning in a hundred degree weather. Whack. And and then we ran out of merch, and then we couldn't get collateral to order new merch. So we're out there. It was it was brutal. It was and brutal. And that behemoth was just laughing at you guys. Oh, laughing! Thing. Yeah, just totally making. They fun were actually. I, I know they for for a fact. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. not for a fact. I know them well enough that if they were in that situation, they would be making fun of you guys hard. Well, I'm sure they. You know, they. they I'm sure they had the uh, the decency to make fun of us behind our behind our back, and <laughs> enjoy our. Um, our failures, but they, but no, they no. gave us the hardest time. They made us work for them when we shared a bus with them and like we borrowed gear from them and they would give us the hardest time. But then once the day was over, we would all just sit around and drink and have a blast. But I used to, I thought that they were like the biggest dicks at first. And then I was like, well, actually, no, they're, they're fucking well, pretty badass. It's just, you listen, when I see someone, when you get to be around someone like Nurgle every day, powerful dude. And to me, it's like same thing being around uh, Rob Flynn. Powerful were, dude. These 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 kind of these people that their will of determination and their professionalism and the fact that every minute of their day is revolves around the idea that they have the as far as they're concerned, the most important job in the world. And they every single person that disrupts that is an enemy. And sure. they're and they are trying to win. Yeah. Every and they listen, we try and pretend like, oh, we're all friends, we're on tour. No. In the, in the metal world, everyone is especially on festival tours. It's like we're yep. trying to win, and if someone else is crushing you, yep. if they sold thirty nine thousand t shirts and you sold four, they won, you lost. Yep, yep. You know I because know. we're all fighting to sell. Like people can only buy so many records, they can only buy so many t shirts, they can only buy so many tickets, and especially in those environments, no one has an advantage. We're all it's an even playing field, right? So your worth. You know, and how what you're bringing is is evident. You know, listen. Like I said, I'm not gonna say we. You know, I've seen footage from us on that, that tour where we fucking destroyed. Where yeah, we're like, man. yeah, mowing it down. So it's difficult to tell what's in my head, what is the reality on the ground. 
but it's it's almost not even worth it because I don't go. What I don't do is sit around and relitigate the past. Hell no. You know, because it's a, it's not worth it. Um, and I was already there. I've already taken away from it what is useful yeah. to me. Yeah. And I just push and I use that to say, hey, guess what? Sometimes you get a certain chance, or you know, it's like I don't surf, but I know either you, either you catch the wave, or sometimes you miss the wave. Yep. You know, and if you don't catch it just right, that's all right. And guess what? You go and you fight another day. And I've I've gotten to do so many th- amazing things since then. And that it's not about. And, and guess what? I've since I did it for so long, I don't have to do it anymore. I used to have when I was 25 years old. I needed to go on tour. Yeah. I don't have to do it. I went on tour early this year with uh, this band Made Tall. We opened for Queensrÿche. Had a blast. I went home and I was like, I don't need to do that. You know, it's fun. Yeah. I'm good at it. Yeah. It's home. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. You know what I'm saying? I know what a dressing room is. I know where catering is. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's easier to be in that groove than be in the home groove. There is what's the home groove? It's that's like that's fucking. You can do anything you want. When you're on tour, you're like, oh, I could go eat. I could go hang out. I could go fucking take a shit. Well, there's but there's also that, like I said, the the, the sense of purpose of. I yeah. know what I'm doing. Well, and that's and, where the most important job in the world comes into play. And I totally agree with you on that with like the fucking prolific dudes that, you know, they appreciate their job. And that's like what, why I am in a band is because I look at it, it's like making music is like the greatest, best, most important job in the world. Everybody needs music. Yeah. Like when, the, when someone's fucking pissed off at the fucking world, they're listening to music still. But, but keep it, keep in mind. One, I'd say it's, it's amazing for me to hear you say that because we both know how many people go out there because in a way, because their band has X amount of success and that's their only way to make a living. Yeah. They don't have it and they go out and they're miserable. And I hate that shit. It sucks. It's the worst it thing drains. to be around. Yeah. And, and you know, and luckily I've had moments, I've had moments like that, but it wasn't because I hated touring or that it was more personal shit happening. Well, it was just like, why are you doing this? Like, like what is you know? And this is you know, because my whole thing is do things that make sense. You know, yep. and we were in a situation, in certain situations where it was literally like, at the end of the tour, I was homeless. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I probably should figure some things out before <laughs> you know if it's if it's disrupting your personal life. You know, so it's yeah. not about so there's so I've definitely had had moments, but generally I've I've always loved loved touring and and being out there but the other point i wanted to make is that you're also in one of the bands that people need to hear P- trust me there's more music created and released now than any time in history mm-hmm. and guess what we don't need to hear most of it yeah yeah i know <laughs> and you and I, I don't know just just appreciating the fact that you're in one of the positions where you put something out and tens of thousands of people care about it and want to listen to it and, and it like i said the, those songs you guys just 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 made for all those people talking shit there are some people who have never heard you guys that's the first thing you're gonna hear and it's gonna change our life yeah you know and they're gonna and that's gonna because i can tell just the, the the level of emotion where eddie's going by the way eddie is so dope <laughs> like he's the most honest dude like well Ed- well, He's just, the kind of guy that brings whatever the fuck is going on in his world. He brings it into the room with him. Well, you can just, but just the way. So, all right, I've been lucky enough to to be around some really awesome singers, and just from 
you know, I, I, I know there's all these screamers out there who can't really sing, mm-hmm. but then they start singing because mm-hmm. whatever, they think that's what they need to do or someone else is making them do it, the label art, you got to sing. And they're like kind of not good at it and they kind of struggle. But Eddie's a singer. Yeah, he's a great singer. Like he's a, he's a, like I saw him in the room. This dude is just busting shit out. We're fucking playing Stone Temple Pilots and Allison yeah. Chains. And then on top of that, the the technical ability as a screamer that he can do all this great. And he's singing for hours, and his voice doesn't even go out. His voice was kind of going out tonight today, though. I was noticing because we've been practicing these songs so much. But dude, no, he screams from the skill of knowing how to actually sing. Because I don't know if you guys talked about this. He played trombone, so he learned to use like no. he learned to use his uh, whatever just to sing from the right spots and use the air correctly because of playing brass instruments. So like, he fucking he knows what the fuck he's doing, for sure. And. I think the bus is going to leave me right now. I don't know if they even know. Are you guys ready to go? <laughs> Getting close to it. Um, They're making noise over here. But no, yeah, Ed, Eddie is the fucking... He, he's always been able to sing. The first time we played with him, because we didn't try him out or anything like that, we just asked him to be in the band, and he was like, give me some time, but eventually he said yes. When he first came to play, like, we played the most whack crazy shit like ever we like were playing songs yeah we were just busting out like 311 and like incubus oh incubus isn't whack but like to most people you're like you guys are playing fucking sublime and 311 and shit it's like yeah it's See, fun you know? You, i know you guys are from california yeah exactly exactly <laughs> like we we're playing just weird stuff we we're playing like blink 182 and stuff but and he was singing it but that's also fun. the other thing that's a, why it's fun to be around a guy like that like it's he's so honest and always open to, and just down to do whatever and not afraid to let people just feel whatever they're gonna feel based on whatever the fuck he's gonna do because well, like he's he's kind of like a Mike Patton yeah well it's, it's not even outside of the ability but I just mean in terms of how someone approaches their craft and how he's he hones in on what he's doing as a singer and the performative aspect is no like it doesn't matter that there's other people there mm-hmm. like he's totally enveloped in what he's doing and that that's the thing i was like yo he's a he's a real dude and um and that's what and that's the other thing where i'm like listen no matter how i feel about the record mm-hmm. like i said i haven't listened to the whole thing yeah. out on my own but w- what i think bodes well for you guys is in a way this it's it's like an atom bomb right it's gonna mm-hmm. oh it's it it creates a lot of damage but it'll clear the area so now you guys really will be able to do what you want, and you have, you don't, like I said, you don't have some motherfucker who's like, bah, 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 or whatever, or who's like singing the tracks, yeah. or you have a real singer who can also scream as good as fucking anybody, and don't, like, in a way, I think, I don't know, I'm almost interested to hear what the next record's going to sound like, and the record after that. Same, dude. Same. Um, it's gonna, I think it's going to get even more interesting for you guys, but... uh I don't know, man. I'm feeling pretty good about this talk. I really oh, appreciate yeah, yeah. you uh, Absolutely. doing Thanks. this. I don't I don't want the bus to leave you. Right I know. Now. I just was like, shit, everybody's leaving right now? They won't leave you, man. No, they just won't. Stay, stage right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. They need me, dude. That's what I'm saying. I'm stage right, too. All the stage right motherfuckers got to stick together. I'm there, dude. All day, every day. Stage right. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, guys. Oh, Come on. I love you, Thank dude. you, Doc. Yeah, I love you, too, man. Really appreciate it. Dude, I'm done. Oh.
Thanks to my my good friend Mark Heilman for coming on the show. Um, yeah, he's not re- a real X Man, I would say. But the truth is, I'll I'll have anyone on really that I think uh, will make for a good conversation and has an interesting story. So big thanks to him. Yeah, that that was their new song called Doris 
from their self-titled album, which comes out this Friday, which is February 24th. So if you enjoyed that, definitely pick it up. I'm going to be seeing them in Southern California the day the album comes out. So that should be fun. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Mamba out. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.